1: Last week, we started a series um, called Hope. What is hope? Hope is joyful expectation about your future. And just this week, I was thinking about Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony, and then it goes on for a while, and it makes an explanation about what the elders did through faith. So um, this whole chapter, it speaks so much about faith that this chapter can be misunderstood where you might think that the star of the chapter of Hebrews 11 is faith, but but the star of Hebrews 11 is not faith, it's hope, because because if faith is the substance of that thing that I'm hoping for, then, then hope is the star and faith is just a supporting role. So really, if you don't have anything you're hoping for, then your faith doesn't have a job. Let me say that again. If you have nothing that you're hoping for, then your faith doesn't have a job. Let me tell you why it's becoming increasingly difficult to get people to come to church. It's because they've lost their hope. Because when it comes to their, their hope, they, they've lost it. They're not, they're not hungry for it anymore. There's, no, there's nothing that's driving their faith. And, and you see, it, really the Bible says, I, and I can tell when someone has, has lost their hope, I can tell by the way they eat. And I'm not just saying physically, because obviously if you've lost your hope physically, you probably eat a little different too. Uh, but spiritually speaking... I can tell you it's evident when a person who's lost has lost their hope because now you've lost your appetite because you're, you you only need faith when when you're driving it, when you're using it, when you're hoping for something. And the Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But but if you're not hoping anything, then your faith isn't hungry. If you're not going for something, if you've lost your hope, if you've gotten into a dark pit where you don't believe anything can change in your future, and you're not in a battle and you're not moving forward there, then 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 your faith isn't even hungry. So there, there's some of you in here right now that you're not even listening to me very well because you, you're you're not hoping for anything. But it's the people in this room that are excited, that are on the edge of their seats, that are, that are shouting out, going, I want a little bit more of that. And that's because you're in the battle, and you're saying, you know what? I, I'm fighting for something. I'm going somewhere. I have a destination that I'm, I'm trying to attain. I have a hope in my future, and I'm going for that hope. So I need, I need to be filled up today. I, need, I mean, you don't put gas in the car if you're going to put the car in the garage right? What what good is it to fill up a car that's just going to sit there, right? But when the car has a destination, then it needs fuel, right? And there's some of you that are like, I came to church today, not because I wanted to show off my new pretty shoes and I wanted to look good today, but I came to church today because I'm in a battle for what I'm hoping for. And I need to see some change in my life. I need, I need to get unstuck. I need to get out of of where I'm at. I got to fill, I I, got to fill up my faith tank because my God has given me a hope. See, hope is always about an expectant end. Remember, it's not about your current circumstances. There can be some bleak circumstances in this room, but it is about an expectant end. But there's people in this room that you would say, well, wait a minute, I've been faithful for a long time, and yet I don't feel like I'm seeing the expectant end. And it can cause it can cause a little hopelessness It can make us feel like we're in the dark a little bit. That's why for the moments that we have together today, I want to talk to you uh, about a man by the name of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. Uh, John the Baptist, we see, finds himself in a situation where he has completely lost hope. Uh, he, he's in such a bleak situation. He's now in prison waiting to die. And in this place of feeling like he's lost hope, uh, we see that it's kind of, uh, there's a contradiction here. It seems like it, it, it shouldn't be because we look at his life and we see that he was faithful because I, I can relate to John because I, I was a church kid. I grew up in church. I was at church like three times a week, every week of my life since my mom was pregnant with me. I mean, I've been in church my whole life. How many of you were like, you grew up in church? How many of you say that? That's you. Okay. For all intents and purposes, John is a church kid. Like He grew up serving God. He grew up ministering. He grew up making a way for the Lord. We see that he was faithful. The Bible says that it never records one time where John had rebellion. It never recorded any time where where he turned away from God. It showed that he was faithful, and yet we are going to read that John, in all of his faithfulness, is about to go through a very, very, very dark time. A very dark place where, really, he starts to lose hope. It just goes to show that it rains on the just and the unjust alike, that just because you have a relationship with God doesn't mean that the difficult things aren't going to happen. But, but having a relationship with God actually ensures that we're going to have the strength and the stability through the storm. That having a relationship with Jesus is, gonna, is not going to take the storm away. It's going to give us what we need in the midst of the storm. So the story here is a conversation that takes place between Jesus and John when John is in prison about to die. And we see here in Matthew chapter 11 verse 1, it says this, after Jesus had finished instructing his disciples, he went from there to teach and preach in the town of Galilee. When he heard, when John heard in prison that Christ was what doing what Christ was doing he sent his disciples to ask him are you the one or should we expect someone else i have to stop i can't go any further without acknowledging this is a question that every human being is going to have to ask that every every person in this room every person in our city every person in the world is going to have to ask the question of jesus are you the one are are, are you god uh, did you really die for my sins? Are you really my, my savior? Are you, or Have you been sent for me? Are, are, are you the one that took the punishment from my place? And I gotta I got let you know, we profoundly believe that yes, Jesus Christ is the son of God. We believe he is the, the the savior of the world, that he took your sins and my sins upon his back and took it to the cross and received the punishment that you and I deserve right? And, and, and he rose again from the dead. And the Bible says, so we could have a relationship with him. The Bible says, all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord, Jesus Christ, and we will be saved. We profoundly believe that. So John is asking this question. And the fact that John's asking it, let's be honest, it, it's a weird question. It's, it's absurd. It, it, it's, it's downright heretical because we know John already knows the answer to the question. In fact, it was just two weeks earlier that that John is with his disciples and he saw Jesus and points Jesus out. He says, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He he knew that Jesus was God. He he said, this is the Son of God. He's going to take away the sins of the world. This is the guy right here. I believe in him. I know it's him. He's pointing out that's just two weeks earlier. He knows exactly who he is. John was there when... When Jesus came to get baptized and it says in Mark 10, or 1.10, as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw the heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven came and said, you are my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. So John, not only has he proclaimed to other people that this is the son of God, he witnessed the, God the father say, this is my son. <laughs> he knows who he is. In fact, He knew it from the beginning. The Bible tells us that his mom, Elizabeth, was pregnant with him the same time that Mary was pregnant with Jesus. And and when they came into the same room together, that John actually leapt inside uh, Elizabeth's womb because his infant body recognized, him being a little child in spirit, recognized inside his mother's womb that I am in the presence of God. So you've got John here who who knows who Jesus is, and he asks this absurd question. But I think it's fair to pause for a moment and and look at this question that he asks, because why is John asking a question he already knows the answer to? I, I think it's because things haven't worked out for John the way that John wanted them to. And we'll get back to that in a moment. But in verse 4, it says, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. So Jesus goes on to say a few more things in regard to John, but later he goes on to say something that many of us we have heard and we've quoted this verse, and, and maybe we haven't recognized the context that this verse was in, because it was actually when John's in prison, about to die, that Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and you and learn from me, and I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, My burden is light. Then turn to the person next to you and tell them, Somebody tell John that, right? Because you read that and you go, Well, my, Jesus is saying, My burden's light. Well, well, wait a minute. You're telling that to a man who's in prison, who's about to die, right? It, it's interesting. We look here, Jesus is talking. To John, sitting through a messenger, he, he, he's saying, I want you to tell John what he's seen. I, I, I want you to tell John uh, what I'm up to right now, but I want you to tell him that, 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 that he, to come to me in this time, and he's weary and burdened, and I'm going to carry him through it right now. See, you can be in a dark place. And, and John was in a dark place, both literally and figuratively. He didn't know where he was going, what his future was going to be like, and he was in prison. And prison was not like the hotels that we have today. He was in a little cave uh, being guarded by someone right now, waiting to die. He couldn't see. He's in the dark, and it's in this darkness that even in the dark, we learn that it's possible to not be lost. See, I wonder, have you ever planned, uh, had a plan the way something would turn out, and it just didn't turn out the way you expected it to? That's just life, right? I think every one of us, we could give examples of the way I I planned, I hoped it would happen this way, and it didn't happen that way. I can remember uh, several years ago, my wife and I, we got the idea that we were going to buy an RV, and we were going to do the uh, National Lampoon's vacation thing, and we were going to take our kids to uh, Disneyland. Yes. And um, I see your faces because some of you, you've, you have done this too and you know where this will go. But our kids were three and five years old at the time. And we say, okay, let's get an RV. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. We're going to build so many family memories together. Now, you would think if you're smart, what you would do is like if you buy an RV, you would start off with like an overnight trip, Right? <laughs> Maybe like one day, like make sure things work, make sure you even like RV, rent an RV for crying out loud. You know, see if you like it. I no, we're all in because we're hoopers. Hoopers don't do anything small. We go big. You know what I'm saying? So we went down and we bought the RV. We were in it, baby. We were in it. We were like, this is going to be awesome. What do we want to do? Want to do a weekend? No. Hoopers do things big. Let's do two weeks and let's go all the way to Disneyland. It's going to be amazing. Right? Day one. I, I'm driving down the road, and and it wasn't too many hours into this drive that I realized things aren't going necessarily the way that I hoped that they would. I envisioned them being a little bit differently. Like, I don't want to get flipped off by another person with a handicap placard swinging as they're driving on by me. And I'm stuck over here on the side of the shoulder. Like, a, I'm, I'm struggling to drive this thing. And I'm always going, how long is this going to take? Because we were planning on being, like, at least another state away. We're barely halfway through Utah. And... and And my kids are freaking out in the back, and I'm thinking, this is going to be wonderful. They're going to be singing songs, and it's going to be like playing games, and they're going to be chilling in the back. Omelie's going to be taking a nap. She's going to be refreshed. I'm going to be just enjoying with the window crack, you know, wind in my face, and, um, you know, it's, it's going to be Awesome. And what ended up happening, just on the drive there, it's like, I can't drive this thing at all. I've never driven anything like this before. It's huge. And it's like, I'm going slow. The wind's blowing me all around. And I'm taking off old people who are passing me. And they're like, move over, you know. And, I'm, and and then I would get into a town, and I'm trying to find a place where we could park and rest for a little bit. And I would hit a curb, and all of the dishes would come out of the cabinets and hit the ground. And Omni's screaming at me in the back, Dan, stop hitting the curbs. I'm like, you want to drive this thing? and then we have lunch day one i was so exhausted at the beginning of day one that we get there and I'm thinking, well, this now the girls have been they've been stuck in the RV all day long. They want to go play. Omley is done. She's like, I'd, this is no good. I'm done. I wanted to go to bed right now. The kids want to go play. And I'm like, well, I've got to figure out how in the world to hook up sewage on this thing because like they've been using the bathroom every 30 seconds the whole way down the road. I got to I got to figure this out. So I go outside and this is not like some pristine campground. We are in a parking lot behind some weird neighborhood. And, and I'm going, there's these pipes here, and I kind of got a flashlight, and I think you stick here, I didn't know that somewhere along the way when I hit one of those curbs, it opened up the black water tank all the way to the end of the pipe, and I'm standing there thinking okay, I think I'll, I'll plug this side in here, and then I get this side, and when I open it up, this blue liquid just covered me from like the middle of my chest all, you think this is on a movie right? This happened to me and, and I, I'm looking there and I'm going Ooh. I have to go back in there. <laughs> like, like this is not going well. And, and and I rinsed off as much as I could outside and, and I, I tried not to throw up. I tried to keep the smell outside. And 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 I remember that we had this plan that was supposed to work out where it's like everything was gonna go great. It was gonna be wonderful, it was the family memories, it was beautiful, it's gonna be amazing. And we got back, and Amelie and I didn't even talk to each other for like two days. <laughs> Well, don't worry for us. Our marriage is doing great. We're doing awesome. We got through it because we sold the stupid RV. <laughs> my plan was we're going to have childhood memories. They're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. I asked our girls a couple weeks back. I'm like, you guys remember that trip we took to California in the RV? And they're like, what RV? <laughs> like, it just didn't turn out the way I planned. Isn't it weird how frustrating and how confusing and and how how hopeless it can even feel when you have a plan and things just don't turn out the way you plan? We got John here, and and John had a plan. I'm gonna minister. I'm gonna. I'm going to love God. I'm going to prepare a way for the Lord. I'm going to I'm going to show people that it's time for them to come to repentance, so that they can have a relationship with the Son of God, the Messiah, who's coming. He's like I had a plan, but now all of a sudden I feel like I'm in darkness. Isn't it how bizarre and, and how weird we start to act when things just don't go our way? Like when when I I planned on it happening this way, and now it didn't happen this way. Now I'm I'm asking things that like. I, where would this question even come from see john heard from prison you know he, he's saying f- from prison it was never his plan to be in prison he said i, I heard what god's doing in prison i heard what jesus is doing and i mean uh, have you ever have you ever seen someone or watched someone else get successful as you struggled i mean that's a tough question to ask right because we want to be like, no, no, I'm, of course, I'm happy for everyone when they get blessed. I want to see, I want to celebrate for people and stuff, but, but let's be honest now. Have, have you ever wanted to be moving forward, wanting to be more successful? You wanted to be married by now. You wanted to be retired by now, and you see other people get successful, and you're like, wait a minute. That's what, that's what I wanted. That's what I hoped for. That's what I was supposed to be doing, and now it's like I'm watching this person being successful. Well, what about me? I can imagine John's in prison going, wait a minute, I, I wanted to serve God. I wanted to minister to people. I wanted to be a blessing. I wanted, I wanted to see people's lives turned around. And I'm seeing, like, everything's going great for him, and here I am. I'm stuck. I'm in the dark. I don't even know what's going to happen. And, and it's in this prison where he is, where where his, it's like his hopes and his future, his dreams are at risk right now because he's so confused. Like, this is not what I hoped for. It was not my plan to be in prison. Like, well, why, why is this happening to me? Well, why is it everyone else seems to be successful, yet I feel like I'm stuck in the dark? See, when you find yourself in prison, you can really start asking some crazy questions. You can start thinking some crazy thoughts. You know, things that you once believed, you now start to doubt. Things that you once held true, you start to think, well, maybe I was wrong. You know, maybe I was, maybe I was just being emotional. And then we start to ask questions. When you lose hope, you ask questions like, "Are you really the one?" Like, and it, "Was this really your plan for me all along?" I mean, it, it, when when you find yourself in prison, prison is symbolic of when you feel like your hope, your dreams, your your vision, and your goals for your future. That that they're all in a place of uncertainty. You see, it's interesting because John doesn't, or Jesus doesn't mount a rescue mission when he finds out that John's in prison. He could have done it. He could have he could have sent it and like like think about when the news got to Jesus. You know, it could be like, well, John's in prison. What if Jesus was like, oh my God, or oh, oh myself? Um, I mean, um, <laughs> sorry, little little church joke. <laughs> Oh, so I didn't know. Like, let, let, let's go get him, right? Well, well it's interesting. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't mount a rescue mission. He doesn't do anything like that. I mean, it, it, what good could come out of John being in prison? You know, it, it, was this really part of the plan? But, but what we recognize, is like Pastor Hooper talked about a couple of weeks ago, is Jesus doesn't baby John at all. In the middle of a very dark circumstance, he doesn't baby him at all. In fact, he says something, and it's so interesting. He says in verse 6, he says, "Blessed John's in prison, okay? He says, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Can I translate that for you? Hey, John, don't get offended, but this is bigger than you. Don't be upset by this, John, but Don't take it personal, but this is bigger than you I know it's not The way that you would have hoped that it would happen I know it's not the way that you would have hoped that things would have worked out in this Situation of you being in, in, In prison right now in the dark. I know it's not what you would have chosen, but But it's just bigger than you and you got to understand that John i'm still in control I'm still god and see when life doesn't go the way we think it should go, when it doesn't go the way we had it planned, we have one of two choices. One, we, we, can, we can keep trusting God and keep following God and live big lives, or two, we could succumb to our fears and doubts, which put us in a prison of insecurities and uncertainties. See, Jesus doesn't explain um, to John what's going on. He's just like, John, you, you just got to understand I'm enough. Like, uh, I'm not going to talk to you about why you're in prison. I'm not going to talk to you about what you already know about me. You you just need to know that I'm enough right now. See, I'm God and I still have a plan and it's unfolding and you're in the middle of the plan. And I know it's not the plan that you would have picked, but you're in the middle of something so much bigger. And see, there's going to be bad things that happen in life. And, And I know that this is not something that that you want to hear when you come to church on a Sunday morning and want the encouragement. But I think one of the reasons why so many people lose hope is because they, we go through life like with some sort of naivete that we think that like somehow um, we're going to be the one that avoids bad things happening from our life. That every, for everyone else, what Jesus said, that in this world you all have trouble, that's true for them. But for me, it's not true. I'm gonna, everything for me is always going to work out perfect. And then, and then we face difficult things. And, and with a belief like that, with a belief against what Jesus taught, you start to lose hope. And, and, and we see here that, that John had fears, and his fears were, were decent fears because they were true. John was facing beheading. I don't think any one of us in this room are facing beheading. He had a real reason to be fearful at the time. And, and, and it, was, it was to him that, that, that Jesus was saying, blessed are you if you don't fall away on account of me. If you can recognize that, like, yeah, bad things will happen in life, but, but John, John, I'm there with you. I'm going to be with you in the darkness. I'm going to be with you in the times when we have concerns, when when things are heavy. See, Jesus didn't come to take away scary circumstances. He came to give us courage and faith in the midst of scary circumstances. I want to say that again because I want to make sure you didn't miss that and you weren't wandering off thinking about where you're going to eat lunch later. You need to hear this. Jesus did not come to take away your scary circumstances. He came to give us courage and faith in the midst of scary circumstances. See, if he takes away everything that would cause fear in our life, then we don't need faith. Fear is going to be there. John, but but I'm enough. You know you're gonna go through difficult times, but, but I'm enough. Things aren't going to always go the way you want them to. And I know it's dark right now. I know it's a little bit scary right now, but, but I'm enough. See, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. The, 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 the end of the story is not the end of the story it's for just this life. It continues on. I've, I've overcome. I am enough. You've got to understand that there's going to be some difficult times here. But what our hope is for is that, yes, I can change things for you now, but I am changing your future as we speak, saying, I'm telling you, John, I'm telling you, John, I'm enough. And John was discouraged. He was losing hope. He's in prison. He can't see. And I think one of the reasons he was discouraged is because he was faithful. Like, I grew up in church. I grew up serving God. Why, why is my marriage still struggling? You know, oh, why am I still stuck in addiction? I'm I, I, Like, I, I'm serving God right now. I'm helping God right now. Why, why am I still struggling this way? And I feel like he was losing hope because he found himself in a very dark place wanting the circumstances to change. And instead, what he was getting from Jesus was not that I'm going to change your circumstances. He's saying, I'm going to be enough for you in the middle of your circumstances. See, The truth is, it's possible to be faithful, but to still lose hope. To be faithful, but to still wonder, like, why, why are things not changing for me? And I think that as we go back to this, the answer to John that Jesus had was kind of surprising. Because John asked, are you the one? Are you Jesus? And he could have answered, yes, I am. I'm the Son of God. Because... All through the Bible we see he answers like that. Yes, I'm the son of God. Yes, I'm the way. Me the Father and I are one. Okay? He answered people like this all the time. But that's not what he did. He said, "I want you to go back to John." He tells this to the messengers. Because John is worried right now. He's scared right now. He doesn't know what's going on. He's in the dark. So I want you to go back and I want you to bring some hope to John. And this is the way I want you to bring hope to him. I want you to remind him of the track record of what's taking place between he and I and what's taking place in the world right now. So he says, this is what I want you to go back and say. I want you to go back and say, go back and report to John what you hear and say, the blind receive sight. The lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Remind John of what I have done. Remind John of what he already knows about me. John already knows who I am. John already loves me. John already knows that that, that I'm here for him. He knows that. So just go back and remind him that even though his circumstances look bleak, I'm here for him. So go back and remind him of the track record. Sometimes when you're in a dark and discouraging place, you've got to go back and look at the track record of what your God has already done for you. This is preaching to yourself. This is saying, you know what, I've never been here before, but I know... My God, and I know that he's always been faithful. Even when I wasn't faithful to him, he's been faithful to me. Even when I was stuck in that sin and that addiction, he still helped me. He still blessed me. I should be dead, but I'm not. I should be in prison, but I'm not. My marriage should have fallen apart, but it's not. He's always been good to me. I have a track record with him. And sometimes when you find yourself in the dark, you got to go back and remind yourself of the track record that you already have. With the light, because I, I can remember personally. There's been some scary times in my life when I felt like I was completely in the dark. Three years ago, I remember when my father had his heart attack, and I was pacing the hallways up at St. Mary's Hospital, and I was I was in shock. I, I was scared. I, I was absolutely scared. I get so sick of Christians who do the whole "oh, if you, when you have a relationship with Jesus, you'll never be scared again." Bull. I was scared. <laughs> I was praying and I was scared. Without fear, there's no reason for faith. There's no reason for hope, right? There's no faith unless it's in the face of doubt. So here I am in the hallways walking, going, God, I don't know what to do. Are you taking my father from me right now? I'm scared. What is going on? I'm pacing the hallways and literally in the middle of the night, in the dark. And I felt like it was at that time that God whispered to me, not like an audible voice, but he just whispered into my spirit, Dan, Dan. We've been here before. You remember we've walked these hallways before. And I remember that it was 13 years ago when I walked through the hallways, scared, going, God, are you going to take my baby girl from me? She's in the NICU right now, and I'm so scared. I don't know what's going to happen, and it was in that time that, that he revealed to me that he's like, Dan, uh, I'm enough. I'm with you no matter what happens. I've got you. I love your daughter. I've got you. I got your back right now. We're good, and it was in that time that I started preaching to myself and saying, you know what, God, you are good, and, and you always have been good, and I can't see right now. It's pitch black, but God, I know you're going to get me through this when was the last time you started preaching to yourself there's some of you in here you came in feeling hopeless you feel like you're in the dark and it's like you're losing sight of everything god has ever done for you in the past and we do that when we can't see man it's crazy the things that we will think up when we're in the dark the things we'll say the things we'll do i can remember my daughter kayla she uh, got this encyclopedia book that was full of animals. Her sister had it, and she she got it from her. And she was looking through there, flipping through, and she found like several pages on spiders. Right? I'm going, Daddy, come look at this. I'm like, I, Yeah, no, right? You can do your own thing. But she's looking at all these spiders one night, and I, uh, young father, I didn't know any better. I let her look at the spiders at night before bedtime. I'm like, All right, lights off, night, sweetie. See you in the morning. It was like an hour later, she starts screaming, ah, dad, there's spiders in my bed. They're all over me. They're on the walls. They're under my covers. Oh my gosh. And I come flip the light on and I look and I'm like, we have to pull the sheets back. And we look under the sheets and we look around here and I got a flashlight out and see even though the, there's no spiders in this room right now. And she was so freaked out because of what was going on in her head simply because she was in the darkness. So I leave there. I'm like, you okay? You okay, pretty girl? You good? I get ready to flip the light off. And she goes, dad, can you leave the light on? I said, okay, well, I didn't want to disturb the rest of the family. So I went down the hallway and I, I flipped the light switch on in the bathroom and I kind of closed the door. So there's just a little, little tiny bit of crack, and it, it, it crack of light. And isn't it interesting how just the smallest amount of light has the great power to dispel the darkness. And in fact, you could turn all the lights off in this room. And if I were to light a single match, Every person in this room would be able to see clearly by the single match in this room. Light has great power to dispel the darkness. And I, and I cracked this door so she could see just a little bit of light in the middle of the night. And she goes, thank you, daddy. And she, she knew she was okay. She knew she was fine. I can see, I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna be good. The Bible says, for the word, Became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Then the Bible says, "Your word is a lamp unto my feet and the light of my light to my path." What is the Bible talking about here? The Bible's talking about Jesus. The Bible's saying, "Jesus is the Word, and the Word is light." The word is light in the midst of darkness. It's light in a path where you can't see to go. It's it's it's, a, it's for your next step. You could see, I know where I'm going now because I, I'm close to the word. I'm close to Jesus. I know what he wants me to do. And it's so amazing how, how just a little bit of light has the power to dispel the darkness. And I wonder, are there some of you in here today that you felt like you've been in pitch black darkness, you've been in a cave. You're feeling like, I've been faithful for years, but, but like John, like I'm in prison. I don't know what to do. This is not the way my, I hope my life would be. And you, you feel like you're in the dark. I hope that you'll hear me today. I hope that this will sink deep into your heart today. With Jesus, even in the darkness, you'll never be lost with jesus even in those dark difficult times you have the light with you you have hope with you what i want to do today to finish the service is with every head bowed and every eye closed i want to ask you if if you're here today and you're going you know what i'm i'm feeling like i've been in uh, a difficult place of depression a difficult place of hopelessness um I've been in a place of darkness, just so uncertain and scared. If that's you, would you raise your hand up right now? I'm gonna ask those of you, the the anointing of the Holy Spirit is in this room right now. I wanna pray for you. I wanna ask those of you that just raised your hand to make a bold move and to stand up with me and come down front to this altar place. Come down front, right in front of the stage and we're gonna pray over you. I'm gonna have our prayer counselors come out behind you and lay hands on you. And we're gonna pray over you because I'm telling you, you have a God who loves you. And in the midst of the dark and scary circumstances that you, you find yourself in, even in the dark, you're not lost. But that promise is a promise for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus. You've got to know the light. You've got to have a relationship with the light. No wonder, do you have a relationship with the light? So every person in this room, I want to start off praying a salvation prayer. And we're going to ask Jesus to be the light in our life, to to give us forgiveness, to to be our Lord and our Savior. And I want to ask every person to repeat this prayer after me. And then we're going to pray over each and every individual that came down for it here today. So uh, would you pray this prayer with me? This is not just a, a happy prayer at the end of the service. This is a prayer saying, I am committing to giving my life to Jesus Christ right now because he already gave his life for me. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. I pray that you would be my savior and forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross and you rose again for me. So please give me a home forever in heaven and please be the light of my life now. What we're going to do is I'm going to ask every person still sitting in your seat to stretch your hands out. We're going to pray over these people that have admitted right now that they are in darkness. And we are going to pray that God would begin shining his light because um, only God can bring hope back. Only God can break us free from bondage. Only Jesus has the power to break the chains off of us. And I want to pray right now in Jesus' name for help. So Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name that we stand before you and we ask that you would do a miracle in this place. We pray right now that you would break depression off of people in this room. That right now people would be free from depression. God, severed away the assignment of the enemy to take away our joy and to take away our hope. Severed away in Jesus' name. God, the stronghold that's been placed over our church of people thinking circumstances have to be good in order for me to be blessed. We break that and sever it in Jesus' name. I pray right now that you would breathe life and you would breathe hope and to every man and woman in this room that God is reaching out for you asking God would you help us in the midst of a dark place I know right now that there are so many people that are just hoping that their circumstances would change and I pray right now that God first would you just meet them right in the middle of their circumstances where you've already been there with them I pray that they would become aware that you're there with them in the middle of the darkness I pray that you would shine your light I pray that you would help us, God. I pray that as we are in the middle of a city right now that, that, that has one of the highest suicide rates in our state, God, as we are in a city right now of people that are hopeless and broken and depressed, they need you, Jesus. So Jesus, we pray that they would find you Everywhere they look, they, they, would, they would end up coming and running smack dab into you. They'd look in the bars. They'd look everywhere else and not find what they're looking for. But they would come and they would find you, Jesus. God, we pray for, for, for hope. God, help our church to be a church where the chains of depression are broken off of people. Where suicide is broken off of people. God, I pray for every man and woman here. And as we try to hold on to this mystery of this verse where you say, for my yoke is light, my burden is light. God, I pray that you would help us to understand that what that means is that you're gonna carry us through dark times. We don't have to be heavy when we go through dark places. We can be light. So God, I pray that you would bring your peace. Bring your hope into this room. God, I thank you for each and every person here. And I pray that as we dismiss here in just a moment, that we would be people that we go out and we would do your work. Where instead instead of this just being another weekend service, that God we would leave here and we would recognize, wait a minute, I know people who need Jesus. I know people who need hope and I wanna bring them back to a place where they can meet Jesus. I wanna bring them back to a place where they can come out of darkness and and, and come into the light. So God, we pray that you would help us as we leave here today to not be complacent, break mediocrity off of us, God. Help us today. So God, finishing this service, we lift up the name that is above all names. We thank you that we can even come to you because, Jesus, of what you've done for us. Jesus, your love for us. It's not that we love you, it's that you love us. And we thank you so much for that. So I pray that you would bless each and every person as we go today. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Can we give them a shout of praise?
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this, in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at
1: Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.